Oh my God, please hurry. My, dead, my friend is dead. On June 12, 2016, Lexi Dominguez Garcia found her best friend, Rick Madrigal, sprawled on the floor of his apartment. Police are investigating a homicide. And while El Paso police did narrow in on a suspect. The interview was lie after lie after lie after lie after lie. This investigation took many twists and turns. Well, we know something happened. Because he's dead a former radio DJ. Rick Mardi Gras kicking with you this afternoon. And fun-loving father to a young girl. You couldn't go anywhere where he wouldn't make a friend. The life and death of Rick Madrigal in this episode of Borderland Crimes. Babe, yes, you are color number nine. Yay! You're my winner. <laughs> Very nice. You're on your way to go check out Menudo in Juarez this weekend. Uh-uh. That's Richard Madrigal. He was known as DJ Rick Mardi Gras when he worked at the Cutting Edge Hard Rock Station, 95.5 FM, KLAQ in El Paso. Awesome. Who are you going to take with you? Somebody will go with me. I'll go with you. <laughs> Only if I can wear assless chaps. <laughs> and at KXPZ 99.5 The Rocket, the hard rock station in Las Cruces, New Mexico, 45 minutes northwest of El Paso. This is from KXPZ in 2013. Promise to you that new slash Anastasia coming up here in three and a half minutes, but this group right here is hitting the road soon. If you want to pre-order your tickets now, 7dust.com is the way to go. While you're at their website, check out their latest video for this song from their brand new album, Out Now, Black Out the Sun. It's Decay, Seven Dust. Yeah. Rick was just music. It was no surprise to see him go into becoming a DJ. I mean, that was just yeah. his love. He actually <laughs> got kicked out of his dad's house for being a Marilyn Manson fan. Lexi Dominguez Garcia, a friend of Rick's since they met at Burgess High School in East El Paso more than 15 years ago. Me and Joseph and, and Richard, we just... We created this yeah. like huge bond. We were all like roommates and yeah. we just mm -hmm. hung out nonstop and we were like the three musketeers or troublemakers from hell. Yeah. <laughs> Joseph is Joseph Brooks, another of Rick's friends from high school. We always took care of each other. You it's know, true. we took turns. It like someone true. got paid and we're like, hey man, let's go have drinks no, and absolutely. I got you today. And, mm -hmm. and next time he's got money or I have money and we would just like take care of each other like that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd always be like, hey bro, you know, and when he got hired at um, Visit El Paso and he was just kind of on the ups. Visit El Paso is the organization that promotes tourism to the city. <laughs> so I was like, all right, dude. It's your turn, like, Damn, man. bust out. So anytime I'd meet him, I'd be like, buy me shots, bro, buy me shots. I should have cashed in. And we always had the fireballs lined up. I should have cashed in. <laughs> he, him and I went to San Antonio once, and I financed the whole trip. But I got to tell you, it was worth every single penny. We yeah. had so much fun. Money isn't an object. Yeah. These teens' relationships grew and evolved as they did. Joseph and Lexi dated briefly, and out of that relationship came a daughter, now, they're co-parents to their daughter, Rosalind, who's roughly the same age as Rick's daughter, Michaela. That is Hailstorm, and here's to us on Southern New Mexico's rock station, KXPZ 99.5 The Rocket. Rick Mardi Gras kicking it with you this afternoon. Got a special in-studio guest with me today. Say what's up, Mickey. We got a sense of Rick's relationship with his daughter, Michaela, from this clip of when he took her to work in 2013. 
She was about four years old at the time. He posted it on his SoundCloud account, calling it her on-air debut. How you living now? <laughs> uh, my little girl's going to be spending no. all of July, yes, no, yes, with her daddy. So she's never been to the radio station. I decided to bring her up with me to work today. And, of course, we'll watch Doc McStuffins. Uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> A sparkly dance class on YouTube. Yes, baby. Thank you for telling everybody that Daddy likes to watch sparkly dance classes with you. Okay? okay. All right. Say thank you, Thank you, All right. Getting back into it. Here we go with Pantera uh, being the uh, daddy of a little girl. Isn't it awesome? You like Pantera? Yeah. Say Pantera. Pantera. On KXBZ 99.5 The Rocket. Lexi and Rick would often get their daughters together for playdates. When we had the weekends off with the girls, we'd hang out. And when we had the weekends with the girls, we would hang out. We would have slumber parties with them, take them out. Rick didn't have Michaela one particular Friday in June of 2016, but still invited Lexi and Rosalind to swim at the pool at his place, the Terrace Hills Apartments in West El Paso. We just hung out. We had a couple beers, some fruit by the pool, just, you know, kind of joked around and and then we got some pizza watched a movie and he passed out on the couch and I had to take the girls and drop off her friend I I snapped a picture of him while he was asleep on the couch and we left Lexi didn't know that that would be the last time she would see Rick alive I'll call 911 operator Jackson what is the address of your emergency 4111 West City Court Oh my God, please hurry. My my friend is dead. Lexi and Rick had hung out on Friday, June 10th, 2016. The last thing she did before leaving his apartment with her daughter that evening was snap a picture of him asleep on his couch. They ended up texting throughout the next day, Saturday, but didn't get together. Each morning, Lexi said one of them would send the other a text message as a greeting to start the day. So, Lexi started off the following day, Sunday, June 12, 2016, the way she started most days, texting Rick. And I texted him that picture of him asleep. Like, haha, look at you, dork. You know, you're asleep on the couch, kind of jokingly, at like 8 in the morning. Because I knew, this guy's like an old man, he's up at 8 in the morning. You know, I just know his schedule, I know him like the back of my hand. And so, he didn't answer me. I said, hmm. It's weird. Like, you would have said something. And then, so, then I texted him again. Hey, what's up? He didn't answer. I Facebooked him. Hey, are you alive? He didn't answer me. Then I called him, and I called him. His phone was off. And I was like, what? Your phone is never off. You're at your house right now watching TV, playing Xbox. Like, why is your phone off? Lexi got a bad feeling in the pit of her stomach, and I'll get into specifics about why she had that feeling later on. So, as she got herself and her daughter ready to head to her friend Jessica's house for a barbecue, she called Jessica and said she was worried about Rick. She said, well, cruise by and just see, you know, when you're on your way over here. I'm like, all right, that sounds good. So me and Roz hop in the truck, and I have a key to his place. So I said, okay, I'm going to cruise by his place and see what's up. When I got there, his car was parked, and I said, okay, this is weird. I'm going to call him one more time. His phone was off, and I just, my stomach dropped, and I was just like, what am I going to find? What's going on? 
Lexi left her daughter in her truck and went up to the apartment. When she opened the door with the spare key that she kept, she found him lying on the carpet. I thought that maybe he had hit himself. It's not my hand, okay? Take a deep breath. Okay. Lexi was the one who called 911 to report Rick's death. This is her phone conversation with an emergency operator. Are you close by your friend now? I'm outside his apartment. I have his spare key. How old is he? He's 33. I do have to ask you, is he awake? No. No, and I tried to feel for a pulse, and I didn't feel anything. A pulse? Is he breathing at all? No, he's cold. I don't want to look again. Okay, that's okay. I understand. Okay, ma'am, I'm sending the paramedics to help you now. Just stay on the line. Okay? All right. Oh, my God, he's probably been there all day because I've been trying to call him since this morning. There's blood all around his head and his ears. Tell me, please. Did you hear any noise coming from his apartment? You did. Can you ask? Yes. Beyond any help. I, I kind of think so. I don't want to go back in and check him. Okay, I understand. I understand, Mama. I'm sending somebody to assist you, okay? Just please leave everything as you found it. Is there anything else we can do for you? I don't know. I don't know what to do. Okay. I have a feeling you have a bad feeling. Did, do you suspect this was a, a suicide? I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I would not think so at all. By that evening... Rick's death was on the news. Police are investigating a homicide in West El Paso. Authorities say a man in his 30s was found dead inside his apartment with gunshot wounds. Police have not identified the victim, but General Manager Brian Crow from Destination El Paso tells ABC7 the victim was Richard Madrigal. Madrigal was the convention sales manager for Visit El Paso. Remember Visit El Paso? Rick had left radio DJing to work for Visit El Paso, the tourism arm of Destination El Paso. That's the organization that promotes and markets El Paso internally and regionally. His voice was behind the immensely popular It's All Good EP promotion and advertising campaign that was launched in 2015. It's All Good is an El Paso state of mind. It's the true pulse of this community, and it's El Pasoans taking an active role in social media to encourage positive conversation about the Sun City. Rick was so gregarious, it was hard for anyone, especially those who knew him intimately, to think that he would be intentionally shot to death. It looked like maybe an accident. I never, ever thought that this could be a homicide. But El Paso police suspected homicide even before arriving at Rick's apartment. That's because police had gotten a vague tip that morning about a crime. Here's Detective David Camacho with the Crimes Against Persons Division of the El Paso Police Department, basically the major crimes unit. There was somebody at the West Side Police Station um, claiming that their wife was kidnapped 
um, and their kidnapper had murdered somebody. Detective Camacho got that information before he arrived at the apartment complex to investigate Rick's murder. And it turns out that tip and Rick's death were related. I'll get into who the man, his wife, and her kidnapper are in a moment. But first, Camacho assessed the crime scene. He saw Rick's body on the carpet near the living room and the dining room. There was an obvious gunshot wound um, to the face, and um, there was what appeared to be a uh, fired round impact on the window seal. So based on what we had then, and the evidence was pointing to a gunshot wound. Mm -hmm. There was no casings at the scene. No bullet casings. And Camacho also noticed that while the apartment didn't look like it was ransacked, something else seemed to be missing. There's no cell phone um, near, the, near the victim. And that was odd. To me, that was odd. Mm -hmm. Just because nowadays it's very rare for somebody in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s not to have a cell phone. Without a weapon or a phone, detectives were hard-pressed to determine who shot Rick or who he was in contact with in the hours and minutes leading up to his death. Camacho said he and the team of investigators circled back to that tip that was made at the Westside Command Station, the man who said that his wife was kidnapped and the kidnapper murdered someone. Detectives tracked down the tipster, and it turns out his wife was back at their apartment in West El Paso, Officers went there to interview the woman, Marinda Palacios. Marinda Palacios then um, starts letting us know that um, she is in fact having an affair with multiple people. And uh, in one in particular was um, Leonel Hernandez. And she says, I was over at Rick's apartment and he shot Rick. So who are Marinda Palacios and Leonel Hernandez? And what do they have to do with Rick Madrigal and his murder? That, after this break. June 12, 2016, Marinda Palacios told El Paso police that she and her boyfriend, Leonel Hernandez, were at Rick's apartment the day before, and an argument flared up. So the basis of the argument that she was saying is that Rick wanted Leonel out of the apartment. Turns out on Friday night, after Lexi and her daughter had left Rick's apartment, Rick and Marinda got together. They went to the King's X, an old dive bar in West El Paso, within walking distance from Rick's apartment. We know that Marinda stayed over at Rick's place because when Lexi and Rick texted on Saturday morning, Rick told her as much. They got wasted. He said, you know, bad decisions, and she slept over at his place, and then I guess they started day drinking. Lexi told me that Marinda and Rick met in a class at El Paso Community College, and while they might have had a fling in the past, their current relationship was more casual, buddies, according to Lexi. In fact, Rick made a point of telling Lexi in a text on the morning of June 11th that he and Marinda didn't have sex the night before. But when Lexi learned that Marinda was hanging out at Rick's apartment, she decided to stay away. I was a bartender for many years, and I, I think I have like a pretty good kind mm -hmm. of reading of, of people and how to mm -hmm. handle different personalities, and I get all that. Mm -hmm. And I could just tell the type of person that, that she was. I just... 
yeah, she's just like obnoxious and just loud and talking over people and just the way she carried herself. I don't know. There's just something about her. And and, and I guess maybe I was just protective over Rick. We we played, you know, protector over each other a lot. But I told him since the day I met her, I said, man, I'm like, oh, I don't really like that girl. And he was like, ah, oh, you know, stop being a mama hen. I'm like, okay, whatever. But then a couple other times I'd hung out with her and just seen her like real wasted and just been like turned off, like mm-hmm. where you're just, you want to walk the other way kind of thing, you know? And I didn't really know why he even kind of associated with her, to be honest. I was like, why? Lexi told me she had had the same question for Rick that Saturday when he told her in a text that he was with Marinda at his apartment. She even texted him, WTF, but she used the full expression. Where did she come from? But knowing that Marinda was at Rick's apartment on Saturday actually prompted her to go to Rick's apartment to check up on him the afternoon of Sunday, June 12th. I started thinking, man, he was with this chick. She's freaking bad news. I know it. Something's up. I started thinking, should I look online and see if he got arrested? I mean, I just started thinking bad things. When El Paso police interviewed Marinda Palacios on Sunday, June 12th, she told officers that she was at Rick's apartment the day before. And she also admitted that her boyfriend, Lionel Hernandez, and Rick got into an argument. We don't know what sparked the argument, but Marinda told police how it ended, with Rick shot to death. She was um, real vivid and real descriptive on how the shot was fired, um, on how loud it was. Something that you would remember if you were to see something like that. Now, officers had to find Lionel. Detective Camacho said, with help from the FBI, they tracked his truck in Santa Teresa, New Mexico, close to the border with Texas in West El Paso. Once Lionel crossed into El Paso, police followed him until they pulled him over for a driving violation. At the traffic stop, they let him know what's going on, and uh, he agrees to come voluntarily to police headquarters to meet with myself and my partner. Late in the evening on Sunday, June 12, 2016, Detective Camacho and his partner, Robert Posada, met with Lionel at police headquarters in central El Paso. And for the first time, the video of the interview is being made public. I obtained the video through an open records request. The questioning was let off by Detective Camacho. All right, we're here, we're talking about case 16164114, okay? Before I go on, we have to do this with everybody that we speak to, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be reading you. Um, some items, let me know if you have a question on them, okay? Mm-hmm. You have the right to remain silent and not make any statement at all. Any statement may be used against you at trial. Any statement you make may be used as evidence against you at court. You have the right to have a lawyer present prior to and any questioning. If you're unable to employ a lawyer, you have the right to have an appointment, an appointment uh, to advise you prior during any question. You have the right to terminate this interview at any time. After the detectives read Lionel his Miranda rights, they asked basic getting-to-know-you questions. Where were you born? Where do you live? What do you do? Then, the detectives start honing in. And you don't live with anyone. Do you have a girlfriend? Yeah. What's, what's your girlfriend's name? It's Lionel admits that he knows Marinda is married, but still dates her and has been for almost a year. Well, this is what she tells me, that for years, they've been like... Oh, okay. Separated. He just moved back because he lost his job. Yeah. And he's the place to stay. Oh, okay. And now, like, it's been like hell. <laughs> really? Because like, he found out, like, 
she had a boyfriend. Which is you? Yeah. Okay. Do you talk to him? No, not at all. We never met. We just seen each other like driving or no confrontations, nothing no. like that. How's your relationship with Marina? Um, awesome. <laughs> Several times during the interview, Lionel would reach for his styrofoam cup of water or recline in the chair, focus on a spot on his arm, and pick at it. Occasionally, he would laugh. Detective Camacho told me he's trained to observe interview subjects for any unusual body language or responses. And Camacho said that he immediately got the feeling that Lionel wasn't being upfront. The interview was lie after lie after lie after lie after lie. In the surface, he looks shy and timid, but he's very arrogant, very, very sure that he would, can get away with anything, including murder. What Lionel told police about what happened at Rick's apartment next on Borderland Crimes. For the first time, we're hearing Lionel Hernandez himself as he gives his version of what happened the night of June 11, 2016, when he went to Rick Madrigal's apartment to pick up his girlfriend, Marinda Palacios. Here's Lionel's interview with El Paso Police Detectives David Camacho and Robert Posada on June 12, the night after Rick was murdered. So Rick's apartment, and you know how to get there. I know what apartment he lives in, but I... Like, I drove and I saw him walking towards the, her and, and uh, Rick. Okay. Towards the apartment. Okay. Uh, and then she grabbed her stuff and then we took off. Okay. So you saw her and Rick walking towards his apartment? Yeah. Okay. I guess they were coming from the pool. Yeah, because they... Oh, okay. She had a bathing suit. And then you waited in the truck? Mm -hmm. Do you drive a truck, no. a car? Or well, I got off, but I was like out there, outside, just waiting for her to get her clothes. Okay. Do you say hi to them? Do they say hi to yeah. you? What happens? I shook hands with Rick and everything. Okay. And then you wait outside the apartment? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then that's when she's like, I'm going to get my clothes. That's pretty much it. Okay, and then you you don't go inside the apartment. You wait right there by the door. Oh, it's like yeah, standing in the door. What well, kind of walked in a little bit, but like with the door open. But not to the kitchen, not to the living room. No, nothing, just two no, steps like, in. Because he offered me something to drink, but I didn't. I didn't want anything. Okay. Yeah. And according to Lionel, that was the extent of their interaction. He claimed that he and Marinda went straight to the Hyatt Hotel by Bassett Place Mall in central El Paso, about a 15-minute drive east on Interstate 10, had some drinks, and then stayed there until about 2 p.m. Sunday. The story was not sitting well with Detective Camacho. I was not buying it. I was not buying what he was selling. Um, it, it, it seemed fake, rehearsed, um, and kind of okay, I think I can get away with this. Let me just push forward. Detectives asked him what happened after he dropped off Marinda at her apartment earlier that day, Sunday. And Lionel said he was pulled over by police. Listen to what he admitted to the detectives. 
they all they asked you was Marinda's whereabouts mm -hmm. to see if you knew where she was at, right? And what did you tell them? I did kind of lie to him. I just told him, you know what, we were like, I picked her up to go shopping. That's what I said. Okay. Because I didn't know, like, I was like, why are they asking me this? Right. Like, I just dropped her off. Lionel told detectives that he lied to a police officer. By this time, Camacho told me he was getting exasperated with Lionel. Do a quick break. My partner and I meet on the side, and I tell him, you know what? It's just lie after lie after lie. I say, we let this kid go, um, and we'll investigate it, and we have a viable suspect, so we'll start looking for different things that we look for. For 30 minutes, they let Lionel sit there alone in the interview room. The video shows him sitting with his arms crossed across his chest, stretching his neck and staring at his watch. He would sit forward and put his head in his hands, lean his head against the wall and close his eyes, and drink water. He also silently picked at his nails. The silence was broken when detectives returned to the interview room around 10.20 p.m. on Sunday night. Detective Camacho started off. Do you know why you're here? Uh, just by what the cop told me in the morning, something involving Marinda and her husband, that he called for something about kidnapping. That's, that's all I know. We are investigating the homicide, okay? Okay. And from what I'm gathering, yeah. okay, is that you need to be really honest with me and you need to be really truthful mm -hmm. with me. Okay. All right. Because from what we're gathering is you're involved. I'm involved? Yes. And that's what I need to make sure that if you are, you are. If you're not, you're not. Okay? Camacho asked him to retell how he ended up at Rick's apartment. And his story changed. Remember, Lionel insisted that Marinda texted him, asking him to pick her up. Did she call you or did you call her? I like I asked her, where what are you doing? Okay. Can I come over And I even asked her, can I go over? Okay. And she's like, and then she called me like, yeah, come over. Okay. And then like we didn't even stay there for long, and we decided to leave. At this point, Detective Posada takes the lead. Let me tell you something. Yes. Okay. You're here for a reason. Okay. Okay. We're not here trying to guess what what. You know what's going on. We're not trying to figure out if you, if you, what you did, what you didn't do. We already know. Uh, once you're here, bro, it's because we already talked to several people. Lionel insists he's being honest and that nothing happened. Twenty-five minutes of back and forth, Camacho and Posada asking Lionel to tell them what happened between him and Rick, telling him that Marinda told them he shot Rick saying that people make mistakes all the time, and they know he isn't a cold-blooded killer. Finally, Lionel breaks away from his story. Well, he actually threatened me. Okay. What did he tell you? He threatened me to... I don't know if she heard it or not, but she, he threatened me to do something to kill me. Okay. Because he was upset. He was upset because I was there. Really? And then what? He was arguing with her. She kept holding him. Don't do it. Like, don't do it. Like, 
Uh, maybe I need to punch something. And like he, I, I, he threatened me to do something to him. Okay. And he said, I'm "Fucking kill this motherfucker!" And, like, and that's when I got like, like I don't know, <laughs> like I didn't know what he was gonna pull on me. Right. <coughs> and when I was in there, like he ran towards me. And that's what happened. What happened? Okay, I just took two shots. And Lionel later admitted to shooting Rick in the head. One bullet grazed his cheek, the other pierced his skull beneath his left eye. What happened when you took two shots? He just fell on the ground. And then? That's it. What happened next? They took off. That's it. But that wasn't it. Why this wasn't a case of self-defense. And what investigators uncovered about what Lionel and Marinda did after Rick was shot, next on Borderland Crimes. <laughs> Sunday, June 12th, 2016. More than a day has passed since Rick Madrigal was shot to death in his apartment, and hours have passed since his best friend, Lexi Dominguez Garcia, found his body and called 911. After an hour and 20 minutes at headquarters, El Paso police detectives finally got Leonel Hernandez, the man who was dating Marinda Palacios, Rick's companion that weekend, to admit that he shot Rick, but Lionel insisted that it was self-defense. That's what I'm not understanding and I want it to be clear, okay? You're, you said you are about two feet at the door, right? Mm -hmm. So you're already in his apartment. No gun on you, right? No gun. No gun. gun is, I, I heard that he was saying stuff he was going to do to me. Right, right. And I'm like, I don't know what he's going to do to me. I go grab my gun just in case, because I'm gonna come back from Marinda. Right. I don't. I don't know what to expect when I walk into that door. Okay. And that's when he like ran towards me and like that. Right. Because I didn't. I didn't know what he was gonna do. Okay. So there was already an argument between you guys, and you walk to your truck, and then you come back to get Martin, to get Marinda. Mm -hmm. Because she's still in the apartment getting her stuff, right? And she's, she's like, like she was um, arguing with him about, and that's when I heard about telling something about me. Camacho explained to me why this isn't self-defense, according to Texas law. In Texas, you can defend yourself, but it has to be proportionate and it has to be reasonable. 
So for somebody to leave that, that residence and come back and introduce and reintroduce himself with a firearm is now no longer covered by Chapter 9 in the Texas Penal Code because it's no longer reasonable and it's no longer proportionate. He did not have his gun with him, so he goes outside to his truck, grabs the gun from his truck, and now goes inside to encounter Rick. Mm-hmm. And that is when the shooting happens. This was somebody that had detached themselves from a situation that could was possibly a self-defense case and re-engaged with the person that he was in fear for and shot him in the face. Leonel's arrest made headlines on June 13th. A murder investigation continues in West El Paso with a better understanding of who was involved. This is a man police say killed a former El Paso radio DJ. He is 31-year-old Leonel Hernandez. Police say he admitted to shooting 33-year-old Richard Madrigal. He is now charged with murder. By June 15th, police also arrested Marinda Palacios. 33-year-old Marinda Palacios allegedly knew the victim, Richard Madrigal, had been killed, but she didn't go to police. Marinda was charged with not reporting a felony. And El Paso police learned after sifting through Lionel and Marinda's phones what they did after leaving Rick's apartment. Court documents reveal new details about the murder of a former radio DJ. The documents state Palacios openly admitted to seeing the murder, but that she was in fear of her life, and that's why she didn't report it. The investigation also revealed that after the murder, Palacios drove to a hotel where she spent the night. She allegedly confessed to being alone for a portion of that night when she could have gone to police, but she did not. Documents say she was dropped off at her apartment the next day. It doesn't say who dropped her off. Instead of going to police, investigators say Palacios got ready to go to a graduation ceremony, and she allegedly told her husband not to tell police about the murder. Did it speak to their character and the type of people that we were dealing with? Absolutely. And it was that behavior that would come back to haunt them during Lionel's murder trial. That's after the break, here on Borderland Crimes. March of 2019, nearly three years since the murder of Rick Madrigal, state prosecutors and the public defenders for Leonel Hernandez have prepared for trial. And a lot has happened since then. Leonel had been released on bond shortly after his arrest, so he was able to work for his family's landscaping company. Also, a big blow to the prosecution's case. The judge ruled that Lionel's recorded confession to police, which you just heard minutes ago, was not admissible as evidence. According to the court documents, while police did read Lionel his Miranda rights and Lionel acknowledged that he understood his rights, the prosecution could not prove that Lionel knowingly waived his right to remain silent. And remember how police pulled him over during a traffic stop then asked him to go to the police department to talk about the murder, the court ruled on the side of the defense, which had argued that Lionel didn't voluntarily go to police headquarters to give his statement. 
another big move. Prosecutors made a deal with Marinda. In exchange for her testimony against Lionel, they would drop the charge against her. The move would outrage Rick's family and friends, but police detective David Camacho said it was needed to make the case stronger. You're looking at a Class A misdemeanor. Class A misdemeanor, which is punishable by a fine or no more than four years, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't charged anybody with a Class A misdemeanor in a very long time since Marinda. The squeeze is worth the juice in layman's terms. Prosecutors also had the murder weapon. Lionel ended up leading the detectives to the gun the night he was picked up. He had hidden it in a truck owned by his family's landscaping company, which was parked near a customer's home in Santa Teresa, New Mexico. The bullet recovered from Rick's head matched the gun. On the first day of the trial, on March 7th, prosecutors used Marinda's own text to her daughter, Isis Lozoya, to build the case that Lionel murdered Rick three years earlier on June 11, 2016. No recording devices were allowed in the courtroom, but I was there for Isis's testimony and filed this report for that day's newscast. Now, Lozoya said she got a text from her mom around 6.45 a.m. on June 12th. Prosecutors showed the court the texts in which her mom, whose number she had saved under the name Satan as a joke, said, quote, I'm so scared. I think Leo killed Rick. I'm not joking. I don't know what to do. According to the text, Lozoya told her mom numerous times to leave, but that Palacios told her she couldn't because Hernandez was her ride. Even though Lionel was on trial, Marinda was at the center of the case for both the prosecutors and the defense. Prosecutors depending on her eyewitness testimony to point the finger at Lionel. Lionel's defense blaming Marinda for the murder. They called a third-party crime scene reconstructionist to the stand, who testified that Lionel could not have been the shooter based on blood spatter found on the scene and the angle of the shot. That witness, stating that the shooter was a third party, without naming Marinda, the only other person in the room. The defense also showed pictures from Marinda and Lionel's phones, taken the night of Rick's murder. The selfies of Lionel and Marinda at a bar with several other people they met there. In a couple of the photos, Marinda was touching tongues with one of the guys. In closing arguments, defense attorney Rebecca Tavitas reminded the jury that Lexi Dominguez Garcia testified that she thought Marinda was trashy. Tavitas also reminded the jury that Marinda did not call for help and remained with Lionel for hours after the murder. Defense attorney William Cox said, quote, the fact is, the state of Texas gave immunity to the person who likely pulled the trigger and killed Richard Madrigal. But the prosecution came back in its closing argument. Marinda may be a lot of things, but she's not high on the IQ list, said prosecutor Stacy Schofield, adding later, quote, How did we get this gun? That's right. The defendant told us where it was. He bought it. Who led us to it? The defendant did. What is Marinda Palacios's motive? Oh, right. There is none. 
Schofield then brought the jury's attention back to the defendant, pinning the blame on Lionel and his unchecked emotions for Rick's death. She told the jury, quote, That day, our sarcastic, unarmed, happy drunk said something that made Lionel mad. And Lionel shot him. Rick is dead because a drunk man said something insulting. Rick is dead for one reason and one reason alone, because Lionel was jealous. With that, the jury was left to come to a verdict. I'll bring it to you next on Borderland Crimes. On March 20th, nearly two weeks since the trial began, the jury told the court that after hours of deliberation, they had their verdict. ABC7 cameras were allowed inside the courtroom. We, the jury, find the defendant Leonel Hernandez guilty of the offense of murder by shooting Richard Madrigal with a firearm. The courtroom, quiet after the verdict was read, Behind Leonel Hernandez, his family showing silent emotions and others giving looks of triumph to loved ones near them. Hernandez face down showing almost no emotion. Outside the courtroom, emotions were set free. Madrigal's family barely able to hold in their tears, hugging each other as they walked to the elevator. Hernandez's family with tears of sadness leaving the courtroom one by one. Leonel Hernandez was sentenced to 50 years in prison. Detective David Camacho and Rick's best friend, Joseph Brooks, are convinced that the jurors got the verdict right. We cannot charge somebody with murder just because they're a bad person. And nothing pointed to her being a murder suspect. Is it, was she a, a bad person? Did she practice bad judgment? Did she do a lot of things that probably led up to the murder? Absolutely because she was involved with many men and there was, there was some jealousy there, there was some uh, egos, pride, uh, a lot of things that go into play. But that solely alone does not qualify you to be charged with murder. And there was nothing to point that she was the actual murderer. And this person, let's, let's, let's not get our wires crossed here, had the gun. It was his gun. He didn't ask her to hide the gun. He didn't give the gun to her. He didn't put the gun in her hand. Even in his recorded interview with police, Lionel told the detectives he would never cover for anyone. So she didn't put you up to this? Beforehand. Beforehand. She didn't say, hey, let's do this. Or can you do this for me? No. No? This was all you? It's hard to hear. But Lionel says, uh-huh, and nods his head slightly. Of course, since the video was not allowed to be entered into evidence, the jury didn't see or hear any of that. 
I called Lionel's defense attorneys to talk for this podcast. Rebecca Tavitas told me she would not be able to comment at this time, implying but not stating that they may be looking to appeal. I called Marinda's phone number, but it's been changed. I also messaged her on Facebook, asking for her side of the story. She still hasn't responded as of this recording. And I reached out to the family of Lionel Hernandez, but had no success. While the trial is over, Lexi is still struggling for closure. I try to live my life through him, and, and I always hear him in my mind, and I always think, what would he do? What would he say? I mean, him and I were very close, and we had hearts to heart, heart to hearts a lot. And, and, you know, we had our beers and our shots, and we'd get all deep in our conversation. And he was just always an encouraging guy. He was like my right-hand man, um, you know, besides Joseph. But encouraging and just loving and just always pushing me to be better, too. He always told me, you are my inspiration. You're a single mom. You're killing it. He, he just, he loved me, and he, and he, he made me feel good about myself. Now, I always tell him, like, you're my forever inspiration, because just the way he was, I try and think of that when I'm in my low points, is like, what would he tell me, or how can I fix this to live up to the way he'd like? I don't know, just to always put a positive spin on something and and just that's how he was. So yeah, thanks Rick. You're you're my forever inspiration. Forever. Thanks to El Paso Police Detective David Camacho for speaking candidly about the investigation. And I'm so grateful to Lexi Dominguez Garcia and Joseph Brooks who bared their hearts in their time of grief, and also shared some great pictures of Richard Madrigal, which I've posted on KVIA.com. And while you're there, check out the video of their interviews, along with Lionel Hernandez's interview with police. Stay tuned. I'll be following another case in the coming months. I'm Stephanie Valle, and this has been Borderland Crimes. (music) 